0: Let's open your Bibles. Well, you can start with Matthew 14, Matthew 14, verse 23. we We're just gonna have two texts this morning, Matthew fourteen, twenty-three, and Mark 6, verses 45 through 47. But this morning in our studies in the life of Christ and in particularly his prayer life, we're looking at the subject this morning, committed to prayer. Now, you might think, well, we've, you know, a lot of these subjects, kind of uh, piggyback on one another but uh there there's uh, again it's showing his commitment to prayer and the example were to follow when it comes to being committed to prayer jesus was committed to prayer his commitment is seen in the importance that he gave to prayer and as we've already seen prayer was so important to jesus that he would take the time for long sessions of prayer before he would take care of his own important physical and material needs. His great commitment to prayer gave it priority over most other matters in his life. Now, in our study this morning, we see this great commitment emphasized by Jesus going to prayer when you would think that he would take care of other more pressing needs in his life especially the physical needs, his rest. You know, he needed uh, some of these things after rather exhausting times of ministering to the people. This particular incident of Jesus praying took place in the scriptures not long after he fed the 5,000 and just before his miracle of walking on the water and still, stilling a storm. And this prayer came about as a result of similar promptings like some of his similar prayers uh, I'm sorry his previous prayers the setting for this prayer is the extremely busy schedule of Jesus and in the last few days he had been surrounded with crowds of people on both sides of the sea of Galilee both Jesus and the disciples had been kept pretty busy with huge crowds massive crowds coming and going constantly So to try and get away from the enormous crowds, not because he didn't like the people or love the people or care about the people, because sometimes we can get that idea. He needed to get away to spend time with the father in order to minister to the people that he might give them exactly what they needed. So what does Jesus do? He takes a boat to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. But the crowds noticed him gone. He saw him. they, They saw him leave in the boat. So the crowd, they go around the lake by land, and they wait for him on the other side. So rather than shoo the crowds away, Jesus patiently taught them, and then he fed the 5,000. So it was a very busy and tiring day before Jesus went to the mountain to pray. As mentioned before, prayer must not be lessened or take a back seat just because we're busy and tired. It's all the more reason that we should pray. Jesus' example shows us that when we're very busy and we have hardly time to think or to eat or to rest, that's the time when we need to pray the most. And instead of giving less time to prayer when we're super busy, we should give extra time to prayer. But I don't know if we could all brag about this, that we all do that, that we make more time for prayer. But unlike Jesus, busy times, unfortunately, often keep most people away from much-needed prayer. This prayer of Jesus was prompted by his need for safety. And many times we need to pray for safety. The Lord's safety was involved here. Because, you see, the people wanted to make him their king at the moment. So it was both a safety issue physically and spiritually speaking. It was a safety issue based on what John said about this particular situation that Jesus is in here. John said in John 6, 15, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. You see, after he fed the 5,000, the crowd got really excited about making Jesus their king. They were about ready to start a revolt. This movement was in making to make Jesus their king. So naturally, some of the disciples, you know, they would, have been, they would have been glad at the chance for Jesus to become king. Because you see, they would have become famous. They would have become powerful. Judas uh, would have probably been the treasurer of the kingdom. And, and it's possible that Peter would have been named prime minister. But this wasn't in God's plan. It wasn't God's timing either. So Jesus, he broke up the meeting right away. And there is no doubt that the Roman government would have stepped in if a movement had started growing and word was getting out that people wanted to make Jesus their king. The physical danger was also accompanied by a spiritual danger. And that was the temptation of taking the kingdom accepting the people's the people's encouragement. Jesus, you know, <clears throat> we want you to take over. We want you to be our king. We want you to, to rule the kingdom. This was a great temptation because, you see, it, w- it would have meant him skipping the cross. This was the greatest of all dangers that Jesus faced. And it wouldn't be the last time as well. The offer to be king by not going to the cross, this was a subtle temptation from Satan. And at one point in the great temptation of Jesus by, uh, uh, by Satan, we read that the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. And Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And Satan said to the Lord, All these things I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. You see, Satan's thinking is, come on, Lord, or come on, Jesus. Why should you go through all of the pain, all of the agony, all of the suffering of that terrible death by crucifixion when all you have to, when you can own all of this pain-free, no cross required, You see, that's why it's important that you are prayed up when you get ready to leave your house. When you get ready to go out the door, you have no idea what temptation Satan has waiting for you. You have no idea what pitfalls are out there as you leave your house. The feeding of the 5,000 is what stirred up the people's desire to make Jesus their king at that time. You see, there's nothing that has so attracted the multitudes in all countries that someone or some government that's able to meet their needs. That's able to feed them, to get them out of poverty, to give them plenty to eat every night. Thousands, maybe even millions of people go to bed hungry. So you see here at this miraculous feeding of the multitude, the people decided on the spot, hey, we want this guy to be the king. By this unanimous movement, under the leadership of Jesus, they thought this this man would make a wonderful king. And they would want him to take down the Roman government and get this oppressive government off of their back. So the people thought that if only Jesus would say yes to being our king, man, it would be wonderful. It would be an enormously successful overthrow. but the people didn't get the response from Jesus that they were hoping for. Once again, this is why prayer is so important when it comes to making important decisions. You know, in the past, I have seen men and women, or sorry, I should have seen women, men who wanted to be pastors and they've been told you know what you should be a pastor you know you have all the makings of being a pastor and then they go hmm you know maybe I should they say oh you know the bible you have a good personality you're good with people you have charisma and everybody around him say all of the right things or sometimes a pastor will leave a church. And a man is told, you know what? You should take over the church pastorate. And then, because he's listened to all of the well-intended encouragement from the masses, he takes the pastorate. The church falls apart or he falls apart under the load because it wasn't his place. And I knew a man one time who did exactly that. The pastor left and they didn't have a, a, a one to take over. And so everybody said, you need to take over. You should take over. And He did. And it wasn't long before the the, the church fell apart and he was no longer there. You know, it it may be something we want to do. It may be something that we might think we're good at and everybody encourages it. But you better know that it's the call of God. Many times we read Paul where he says, I'm an apostle. He says, not from men, not through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. He makes it a point to let the people know, I didn't self-appoint myself. I didn't step in and take this, this, this ministry or, or, or this calling. God appointed me. And at times like this, prayer is the need at the moment because it will help us to stay focused on the will of God and to pre- protect us from spiritual danger as well as physical danger. It will stabilize us. It will keep us from being swept away to spiritual shipwreck by our emotions and our feelings and and our ego. And the cheering of the crowds. Satan would love to get us off of the right path with all of the excitement and all all, all the cheering of the crowd. But you see, prayer will give us the right perspective. To see, Lord, what is your will for me? What is your will, God? And we won't be blinded by the popularity of the crowds, by the actions of the crowds, by the cheering of the crowds. It will clean the dirt off our spiritual glasses, so to speak, so that we can easily see or clearly see the right way to go, the right path to take. So this alone time, this alone prayer, I'll call it this, this, this prayer where Jesus gets off by himself uh, also involved Jesus's strength. So we saw this alone time, first of all, for his safety, <clears throat> that he didn't follow the, the cheers of the crowd. Because again, it wasn't God's timing for him and it was not God's will at the time either. So Jesus is now, We see the second thing that we see, that this alone time involved Jesus' strength. Jesus needed refreshing both physically and spiritually. Because Jesus must have been totally exhausted and needed some alone time to get re-energized. We read in Psalm 23, 1 and 2, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And that's to be refreshed. He leads me to green pastures and beside still waters. That's a picture of refreshment. Lying down, fresh water. Jesus knew where he could get the strength that he needed. By praying, by getting alone with God. And he shows how to get the soothing calmness that he needed. And you know what? Prayer will do that for you. It will calm you down. It will bring peace to your feelings, to your emotions. Prayer would especially strengthen Jesus spiritually. And it was spiritual strength that Jesus needed most of all in order to fight the forces of evil and also empower him for the tasks that he still had ahead of him. We make a big mistake if we just focus on the physical after an exhausting day of ministry serving God. Now, yes, we do need physical refreshing, but we need spiritual refreshing even more. And if we don't get the spiritual refreshment that we need, all the physical replenishment that we get won't do us a lot of good. When it comes to renewing yourself after a lot of spiritual service, after serving God, give priority to the spiritual before the physical. Now, that, that won't be an easy thing to do. That will be hard to make it a priority because, you see, our flesh screams loudly for attention. That's why Paul said, hey, don't pamper the flesh. The flesh says, take care of me first. Feed me. Give me to drink. Let me rest. And it's a lot easier for people to recognize physical exhaustion than spiritual exhaustion. But if we're going to win any spiritual battles, we have to be quickly refreshed after our spiritual ministries. Jesus said in Matthew 5, <clears throat> I'm sorry, fourteen twenty three, our first text that says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, notice he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Once again, Jesus goes into a mountain to pray. Because going to a mountain to pray seems to be the place that Jesus preferred to go to pray. And scripture gives us at least three different times where Jesus went to a mountain and he prayed. The first one is he prayed all night on the mountain before choosing his 12 disciples. We, uh, apostles, we saw that in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Second, he prayed on the mountain where he was transfigured in Luke nine twenty eight. And the third example is here in our text this morning. Now, the Bible doesn't record for all of us, uh, record for us all of the prayers or all the prayer times that Jesus had. But you would surely think that these three times weren't the only times that Jesus went to a mountain to pray. The situation that Jesus was found in here, that he found that the mountain was to be a good place to get away. It seemed to be his preference for praying. One of the main attractions that Jesus found on a mountain that was favorable to praying and caused him to prefer this mountain place to pray was that the mountain was a good place to have privacy, peace, and quiet. It's hard to find these days, even in our own home. The fact that Jesus wanted privacy on the mountain on this occasion is made very clear in Scripture in several ways. First of all, it's obvious that Jesus wanted privacy because he sent the crowds and the disciples away. We see that in Matthew six, forty five through forty six. Let me read it to you. Matthew six forty five through forty six. Let me find my spot here. Oh, I'm sorry, it was Mark, yeah, Mark 6, 45 to 46. I think I'm confusing myself here. 6, 45 to 46, that's where Jesus, let me see. Mark 6, 45 to 46, I think that's where Jesus walked on the water. He said, immediately he made disciples get into the boat and go before him before the other side Bethsaida. And while he sent them away, okay, and he had sent them away. Notice, yeah, here it says he departed to the mountain to pray. So again, the second verse here where he went to the mountain to pray. Secondly, uh, it's obvious in Matthew 14, 23, where we first read that he wanted privacy. When it says he went onto the mountain to by himself to pray. The words by himself emphasizes the fact that he wanted to be alone on the mountain to pray. So, we've already talked about the importance and the necessity to be alone in prayer. That is, praying privately. Times of private prayer are necessary for the spiritual welfare of those who have a lot of public life, that is, going on in public life, and work. Jesus wanted those times when he could be alone with God. Now, not a lot of people are doing that today. They're not getting alone with God. And it seems that that, that people don't want to be alone with God or, or they don't want to be alone with God. Maybe it could be out of conviction for the way they live. It makes them uncomfortable. But if you're going to do anything worthwhile and lasting for God, you have to have quality alone time with the Heavenly Father. Prayer alone with God is the best praying. Why? Because it's usually without hypocrisy. Hypocritical praying needs an audience like the scribes and the Pharisees did. There are a lot of people who pray in public, but they won't pray in private. Those who pray in their prayer closets alone with God have, you know, have the real thing going on there. Their faith is for real. Now, they may not be good with words when it comes to public prayer, but you know what? That's okay. It doesn't matter in our prayer closet. God just wants to hear from us. You see, it's the heart, not the eloquence of the person praying where true spirituality is found. Private prayer is also where you get more pray, more done praying. It's hard to concentrate on heartfelt praying when we're surrounded by uh, others and distractions and noises. And unless we're in private, alone, when we're spending time with God, there's going to be a lot of distractions that's going to hinder or inter, hinder or interrupt our communion with God. Getting and being alone with God is essential to our spiritual health and growth. Just like the study of God's word is essential to our spiritual health and growth. The word of God and prayer. Remember, the word of God and prayer must always go together to grow spiritually healthy. Listen to what the apostle said in Acts chapter 6, 1 through 4. If you remember, it says that the church was growing rapidly. People were getting saved and the believers rapidly were multiplying there were rumors of discontent in the new church the greek speaking believers the women were complaining about the hebrew speaking believers saying that there were widows that their widows were being discriminated against that the hebrew you know widows were getting uh, taken care of better than the the, the greek speaking widows in the daily distribution of food So the 12 uh, apostles, they called a meeting of all the believers. And listen to what they said. We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. It says we will give them this responsibility so that we can spend our time in prayer and preaching the word. They gave the other responsibilities that could be handled by uh, men who were, had a good reputation and were well-respected and had the Holy Spirit. They could deal with that so that the d- disciples could, could study the Word of God and pray. We see in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 43. Remember when uh, Elijah was praying for rain on the top of Mount Carmel? It says that he went to the top of Mount Carmel, again, on a mountaintop to be alone with God. It says he bowed down on the ground... It says he put his face between his knees. That picture of Elijah bowed down with his knees between his knees says a lot. And we can learn from Elijah's example here. What he did in his private prayers. First of all, he went to Mount Carmel. He went to the top of the He withdrew from the crowd and he went to the top of Mount Carmel. He went alone. He went where he could be in privacy with his own thoughts and with God to ask him for exactly what the Lord had promised him to do. Secondly, he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. In doing that, he was shutting out all the sights and the sounds. Looking down, if he opened his eyes, all he was going to see is dirt. With his head between his knees, his knees blocking the sound. Of everything around him. What a beautiful picture. So that he couldn't see nor hear what was happening around him. He was showing by this position that he was in that he was also showing the position of his heart and his soul. He wanted that quiet, alone time with God. One of the values of prayer is shown to us in the power that Jesus received after he prayed. All along, Jesus was truly God, and it it can be argued that that he always had his divine prayer. He was truly God, and he always had his divine power. We don't want to separate his prayer time from the power in his performance after he prayed. Again, Jesus was not only 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And as a man, Jesus needed to pray, just like we do, to ensure a good performance. That is, to ensure what we do, it's done well. And his, his example here is for us to follow. The great power that Jesus showed here following this prayer time, along with God, on the mountain, is seen in four ways when we study the setting of his prayer. First of all, in his prayer, we saw, again, we, that um, you know, he, he, got, he, he needed he 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 safety. He prayed for safety. Now, as we see here, there's four ways we studied the setting of his prayer on that mountain. It says that Jesus' steps were strengthened, okay? Jesus' steps were strengthened. After his alone time on prayer, of prayer on the mountain, Jesus went to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee because they were in trouble because of a storm. Now, Jesus didn't take a boat to his disciples. I guess he just felt like walking on water that morning. It was about 3 a.m., And Jesus just simply walked on the water. Now, walking on a a stormy, turbulent sea, that took some power. But as one commentator said, I love this, it is easier to walk upon a stormy sea after having walked with God upon the mountain. But the truth is, we will walk better any place, any time, anywhere, after we have spent quality time alone. In prayer with God. Our steps will be strengthened. And they'll be sanctified by prayer. So we see his strength. From the prayer that he uh, He spent on the mountain. The next thing we see is his saving power. After he prayed. When Jesus got to his disciples. Peter wanted to walk on water. Just like Jesus was doing. So Jesus invites Peter to come out and walk on the water. And Peter goes. So Peter takes off. And he was doing okay for a while. But then he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the stormy sea. And when he did, he started to sink. And as he was going down, Jesus cries out to the Lord, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches down for Peter, grabs him, pulls him up. It takes power to save. It takes power to save. But Jesus had that power and that power is related to his praying. Power to rescue others will be significantly increased by quality prayer times alone with God. The church needs that time. It needed it then and it needs it today. The third thing that we see with Jesus being alone with God on the mountain, we see his stopping power after his prayer. Mark 6 51 says this Then he, that is Jesus, went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed uh, in themselves beyond measure and marveled. The stopping power, he was able to stop the storm. The wind ceased. Jesus stopped the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Now that took power. And today, with all the boasting about power, we still can't stop a a storm on on sea or land. We can't stop, stop any form of storms. We've tried to stop hurricanes and other storms and and, and give alerts, and, and that's about all we can do. But we can't stop powerful storms. They will still overwhelm us, and they will still do a lot of destruction. But they didn't overwhelm Jesus because he had the power to overwhelm the storm. And that power was related to his praying. One way to apply this principle here is that we have spent quality time with God in prayer that if we do, we'll be able to overcome the storms in our life. When we spend that time in prayer, we will be able to overcome the storms in our life. Now, storms are a common occurrence in life. They're going to come. They're promised to come. They will come. And they're a regular part of our life. And we need to be able to overcome storms, because if we don't, they're going to overcome us. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have the storms. But we can overcome the storm if, if we have good prayer practices again spending good quality time alone in prayer will have a lot to do with having the power that we need to have victory in our troubles and in our trials. The fourth thing that we see in Jesus's prayer was power in purpose. Power in purpose. John 6:21 says, <clears throat> "Then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land <clears throat> where they were going." Jesus in his power, helps us to complete our purposes, our goals, what we're wanting to achieve in the will of God. John tells us about the powerful effect that Jesus had when he got into the boat with the disciples. The fact is that when Jesus got on the boat, it was immediately on the land. See, they were struggling to get to land because of the storm. But when Jesus got on the boat, the boat was quickly found on land. And you see, when Jesus is on board in our storms, he will get us to our destination. The power of Jesus enabled the boat to instantly get to the very place that the disciples were trying to get to. So we see it's it's an amazing demonstration of the power of God. Not only did he stop the storm, but he also ended the voyage of all disciples safe and sound at its desired destination. And when I read this, I think of Paul in the book of Acts on the way to Malta. Remember Paul on his way to Malta, he encountered a really bad storm. And everybody on board thought for sure they were going to die. But listen to Paul's encouragement to all those that were on board. He said, take courage. He says, he says none of you are going to die. He says, even though, even though the ship's going to go down, <laughs> you're all going to survive. You're all going to make it. Here's why. He says, because last night an angel of the, God, of the God I belong to and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, because you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Notice that was the goal. When the disciples got on the boat, the goal was for them to get to the other side. But the storm came in and disrupted that journey. But when Jesus got on board, they made it across. They made their goal. Paul says here, an angel stood by me and he said, surely you're going to stand before trial, Caesar." Paul. Paul's goal on that boat was to go to stand before Caesar. But here was this terrible storm threatening to take the boat down and everybody in it. But God's angel said, no, Paul. You are going to make it. You're going to stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everybody with you. So take courage, Paul, because I believe, Paul said to the, to the people, take courage because I believe God. And it will be just as he said. And it was, the boat did shipwreck. Just like Paul said it would, but everybody escaped safely to shore, says Acts 27, 44. Just like Paul said they would. Now, God doesn't promise us an easy journey, but he does promise us a safe landing. That's what's really neat. This journey on the ocean of life that we're on, it's a difficult journey. And sometimes it's dangerous. But as long as we're looking unto Jesus, we're going to reach our heavenly destination. And as we've mentioned already in this day, the power of Jesus is related to his praying. Bringing the disciples safely to shore showed his power just as much as the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. We also need the power to finish our voyage successfully on the ocean of life. Many people shipwreck their lives. Because they have no spiritual power to guide them. Temptation gets the best of them. Trials beat them, wear them down. Because they've set out on the sea of life with good goals, but they never reached them. Why? Because they didn't have the spiritual power to keep them going to get them to their destiny. Jesus wasn't on board. A look into into these people's lives that shipwrecked their lives will often show that their prayer life was totally lacking. They had no quality alone times of prayer found in their lives. No regular times of coming into the presence of God in prayer and the study of God's Word. That will be found to be a part of their lives that was missing. And as we all know, life is too much and it's too difficult for the little strength that we do have. We need the power of God in our lives to live successfully. And that power is not found apart from a good prayer life. Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. We need to be as committed to prayer as Jesus was. If Jesus needed prayer, how much more do we? So in closing, if you remember last week, I I mentioned a book to you last Sunday about uh, George Mueller's life uh, and his prayer life. There's an excerpt that I'd like to share with you in closing this morning from his book. It says, when reading Mr. Mueller's journal, we're constantly reminded that he was a man of like frailty, uh, frailties like others. On Christmas morning of this year, that was 1824... Said after a season of peculiar joy, he woke up to find himself in the slough of despond. And as he woke up depressed without any sense of enjoyment, prayer seemed to be as fruitless as the vain struggle of a man stuck in the mire. At the usual morning meeting, he was urged by a brother to continue in prayer until he was again melted before the Lord. Wise counsel for all disciples when the Lord's presence seemed strangely withdrawn. Steadfast continuance in prayer must never be hindered by the lack of sensible enjoyment. In fact, it is a safe maxim that is a safe truth that the less joy, notice the more need of prayer. Stopping communion with God for whatever reason only makes it more difficult to get back to prayer and the recovery of the prayer habit and spirit of prayer. Whereas the persistent outpouring of supplication together with continued activity in the service of God soon brings back the lost joy. What he's saying, instead of being bummed out and stopping ministry and stopping praying, he says, continue ministry and continue praying. And he says, soon it brings back the joy. He says, So whenever one yields to spiritual depression so as to abandon or even to suspend closet, communion, or Christian work, the devil triumphs. So rapid was Mr. Mueller's recovery out of the satanic snare through the continuance in prayer. He fed on the Word of God, how he cultivated the habits of searching the Scriptures and praying in secret, how he threw himself on God not only for temporal supplies, but for support in bearing all burdens, however great or however small. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, help us to be committed to prayer, God, that, Lord, we would find the things that Jesus demonstrated, God, after his alone time in prayer, God. Father, we see Jesus, that he found his strength, Father. He found power, Lord. He found purpose in his prayer, Lord and saving power, Lord. We need all of those things, God. Lord, it comes from that alone time with you, God. Lord, it's like like needing a a recharge and, and we plug into the power source, Jesus Christ, Lord. And he powers us up, Lord. He gives us maximum strength, Father. And Lord, it's only through Jesus Christ that we can do anything that's of any worth, God. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved. God, that we can have our sins forgiven. That we can be given His power through the person of the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and maybe you find yourself being overwhelmed by the storms of life, by the waves and the billows of life that come over you. It's like being tossed under a wave and you just can't seem to get up from underneath it. And you feel like you're going to drown. Jesus Christ reaches down like He did for Peter when He was sinking and He pulled him up. But you have to want the Lord to save you. Not anybody else. As Peter cried out, Lord, save me. As Paul cried out, who will save me from this this wretched man that I am? He said, oh, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Only Jesus saves. The worship team is going to lead us in a song of worship. And if you want to give your life to Christ this morning... You want to make Him your Savior. You want to have His strength, His power, His purpose. Then as we worship, you get up out of your seat. You make your way toward the steps up front. I'll meet you there. And when the song's over, we'll pray together a prayer of faith.